Welcome back to another episode of Sundays with Jeff Miller. Thank you for tuning in for another adventure. Uh, we are on to episode number 27. So we're going to talk a little bit more about a subject we started talking about on our last podcast, which was to uh, continue with what does team scoring mean to fantasy football? And Today I wanted to talk a little more about it because I thought it was a great article. Again, this came from Fantasy Pros. Mike Teglier wrote the article, and I just think it's pretty interesting to share this information with you. And remember, if you would like me to send you the link so you can actually look at it yourself, I'd be more than willing to do that. You can email me, sundayswithjeffmiller at gmail.com. That's S-O-N-D-A-Z-E with Jeff Miller at gmail.com. So today I want to take a little bit of further look at this, and I'm going to look at wide receivers. Wide, re- wide receivers, um, 84.3% of WR1s come from the top 18 scoring offenses. So looking at the projected offensive scoring, number 18 team would be the Pittsburgh Steelers. So you could still technically get a WR1 from the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Now, that means 91 out of 108 wide receivers over the last, uh, I think it was five years, I think, nine years, have come from the top 18 scoring offenses. So I'm going to give you an example. There's one wide receiver, Allen Robinson, who was able to be a WR1 that was outside of the top 18 scoring offenses. Um, And he's done that the last two seasons. So he's had 150-plus targets, 151 last year, 154 the previous year. He had 102 receptions last year versus 98 the previous year, six TDs last year, seven the year before, 262.9 points per game. Uh, That's in a full one-point PPR league versus 254.9. He ranked ninth last year and seventh the year before. So there's an example of someone that's in the lower tier the below 18 that would give you WR1 um, opportunities. But if you look at some of the top teams, you're going to be looking at guys like Tyree Kill for Kansas City, number one, Stefan Diggs in Buffalo, Baltimore Ravens, they're the number three scoring offense. They really don't have a quality WR1 receiver. And there's been some talk that that might be Marquise Brown this year. Not sure if that would happen or not. And then we go to Tampa Bay. You have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin um, that have the potential to be a WR1. And then Green Bay Packers, they have the number one. Well, no, last year Tyreek, it was Tyreek Hill. So they have uh, really close, though, Devontae Adams. And then the Seattle Seahawks have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And there are others that you can look at in your draft. Um, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. These guys are all currently available later than the third round in mock drafts that I have looked at. So there you go. There are some potential WR1s that you might want to look at, and it may give you a reason to want to move up um, 
and and take those other players at the other positions like the RB ones that you can grab earlier in the draft. And then the tight end position, basically out of this, the only thing I really got out of it was that 19.4% of the top 12 finishers come from the bottom 10 teams. And I know that contradicts everything else, but scoring teams, that's the bottom 10 scoring teams, and that is the highest percentage of any position. So for me, for me, the way I look at tight ends, and I think you have to look at their production. If you're going to look at the production of tight ends, you have to look at guys like Travis Kelsey, and you have to look at guys like Darren Waller, and you have to look at George Kittle, and you have to determine whether or not you're willing to go with those guys early in your draft. And if you if you look at their actual performance, performance last year. Travis Kelsey had 311 fantasy points, Darren Waller 276. And then, you know, Kittle didn't have very didn't do very well. Certainly didn't fare very well because of his injuries, but he has that potential to put those numbers up. Um and then if you switch over and you just look at the wide receivers in the same position, you know, you drop down to 284 as DeAndre Hopkins, right? 276 is Darren Waller. And then you look at number one receiver, Devontae Adams, with uh, 357 points, Travis Kelsey, 311. And you would fall down again to number three, Tyree Kills, at 327. So really Hopkins, Ridley, in that area with those guys. So, you know, really you can count those two guys, in my opinion, as WR1s. And why shouldn't you? So if you're going back-to-back in the draft, and you're picking 10-11 or 12-13, you might want to consider grabbing Kelsey or Waller because you're, gonna, you're getting that same WR1 um, scoring potential right there anyway. So that's what I have to say about the tight end position. Um, keep that in mind when you start doing your mocks and you're looking at building your teams up. And then when we look at the quarterback position, well, you have to look at the quarterbacks and just, I mean, do I even have to explain? I'm not going to. If your team is in the top six, you're probably going to have a a QB1 worth having, right? You're going to be competitive. The Kansas City Chiefs can't with Patrick Mahomes, Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, right? Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens, Tom Brady, (laughs) Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Um, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay if he decides to play, right? Uh, Russell Wilson, Seattle Seahawks, another one. Um... The one you have to look down at a little bit, Kyler Murray's being drafted really high, and his team rank is 13, so he's definitely, they're going to look, we're going to be looking for him to step up and perform a little better next year. So that's what we're going to need from him. So that's what I have to say about that. And that subject is, you know, basically team scoring and what it means to fantasy football and your actual draft and what you're projecting to get from um, these particular players. Now, I had another question posed at me this week, and the question that was asked was, would you take James Robinson or Antonio Gibson? And um, it was a keeper league. Would you keep James Robinson or would you keep Antonio Gibson? That's the question, not not take them. But So I went and I pulled some information up. Snap percentage on James Robinson, uh, 69. 
and AG was 43%, which I think is, is pretty low for a starting running back. Um, rushing yards, again, JR, 1,070, AG, 642. Receiving yards, 344 for James Robinson, 247 for Gibson. Uh, receptions and targets for Robinson, 49 and 60 targets to 36 receptions and 44 targets for AG. And then rushing TD, 7 for JR, 11 for AG. But he had zero receiving touchdowns where JR had three receiving touchdowns for a total of 247.4 fantasy points, 200.2 for Antonio Gibson. So, you know, I did consider some of the other factors at the end being drafted. Um, to Jacksonville, their offense last year was ranked 22nd. So again, you're looking to get an RB1 out of a number 22 ranked offense. They would have to move up considerably to meet our requirement for him to be a WR1, but I don't think he would be a bad WR2. That's the way I'm looking at him as a RB2. I'm sorry, not WR. And then, you know, you're going to have to look for this offense to improve. And I think the offense will improve with Trevor Lawrence at quarterback and Urban Meyer as the coach. So over in Washington, Washington added Curtis Samuel. They also have J.D. McKissick. And McKissick was like right around the 100-yard reception uh, total last year. And... I think that you have to consider those two versus AG. And he actually had 80 receptions last year, J.D. McKissick. So there you go. Um, what does that mean? Is, is Curtis Samuel going to be used in that type of a running back slash wide receiver role? I think he will be in that offense, and they're going to use the speed. And they are got a lot of speed with these guys, and I think that's what you're going to see. And I think you're going to see a better offense. I think it's more likely that Washington's offense would make the top 18 than maybe Jacksonville's. But I think the share would be greater for AG with Curtis Samuel and J.D. McKissick versus James Robinson and, and Etienne factoring in his carries and receptions. So there you go. My answer there is I would stick with JR in hope that maybe uh, Antonio Gibson falls your way in the next round. That's always possible, right? All right, we're going to take a brief break. I'll be right back with some other news taking place around the sports world in just one second. All right, yeah, here we go. Other news. Alabama quarterback Bryce Young is approaching $1 million in endorsement deals already according to Nick Saban. How do you feel about that? College quarterback going to make $1 million in college football. This is a subject that we have been talking about for the last few weeks on Sundays with Jeff Miller. And curious how you might feel about that. Is this going to help or hinder players heading to the NFL. I think it might actually keep a few of these guys around a little longer if they can go out and make a million, two or three million to stay for maybe their junior and senior year and then also increase their draft stock. I don't know. It's interesting to me, but that came out in the news and I found that something worth sharing. 
Uh, my son sends me a message today. Hey, Dad, did you see that Cam Akers tore his Achilles and he's now out for the Rams? And uh, at the moment, no, I didn't. But now I have seen that. And that's going to mean a lot for Daryl Henderson. And then I'm not sure. I don't think there's much depth there in L.A. They're going to have to sign a free agent or two. There are a few out there that are available. Um, and it'll be interesting to see which way they turn. Maybe Adrian Peterson will have a job. Or... Maybe Todd Gurley will ben, end up back in a Rams uniform. What do you think about that? Hmm. That might be some really interesting take right there if that actually happened. And where would you draft him, or wouldn't you? Um, trends in fantasy drafts that we've been noticing. Well, how about the fact that wide receivers cost less than usual this season? How's that? It's interesting, isn't it? You can actually draft... Um, a higher quality wide receiver this year based on average draft position than you could last year. And I'll give you some examples in just a minute. But wide receivers cost less than usual this season. So that is, should be part of your draft strategy. That should be telling you something that you can maybe wait to grab your WR1 in that third round or fourth round instead of trying to grab one in the second or maybe even late first. Maybe you, you ante up and get you a good, solid RB2 uh, with that early second-round pick or late second-round pick, and then, and then grab your wide receiver number one. Um, might be recommended. Might be something to look at, right? Number one wide receiver's average draft position of 10.6. So the number one wide receiver average draft position this year is 10.6 versus 5.92, 5.75, and 6.5 the last three seasons. And then the number six wide receiver, the average draft position, is now at almost 23, which is the highest it's been in the past four years. I find that to be interesting. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna actually do some research on that. I'm gonna actually dig into some of those numbers. Next episode, give you some information on that. We'll take a look at some of the wide receivers. We'll take a look at some running backs. Um, to start building some lists, some more draft strategy to go along with your fantasy football team desires that you're looking for and see what we can come up with. So we already helped one person today, right, with the James Robinson, Antonio Gibson. Uh, if you want me to look up something for you, you got a few guys you're looking at getting rid of. Uh, four or five guys, you know, you're in a keeper league and you can keep two or whatever. Let me know their draft position. Uh, let me know where you're keeping them at and let me know who's available and we'll come up with a solution for you and try to help you out. So that's it for this uh, episode today. Sundays with Jeff Miller. Thanks for joining me. Uh, it's been fun and we're going to try to get some more episodes out frequently for you as we head towards the actual NFL season. And today, don't forget, some of the teams actually reported today to uh, start their preseason situation. So that uh, is kind of cool. And you know what? There was one more thing I wanted to share with you. And I'm going to see if I can find that really quick. Just sit tight. Um, I think I think this was pretty interesting today, but i got to see if I, where I kept it. Because sometimes I throw things into my phone, I take a snapshot of it, and then I lose it. And where did it go? I don't have it. I don't know what I did with it. I am so sorry because I really wanted to share that with you today, but I don't remember what it was. Eh, maybe next time. Maybe next time. I think it was something like 23 
NFL teams will be in action by the end of the week, but I don't really remember. Or, oh, I know, here it is. There were 23 games that are going to be televised, preseason games in week one, week two, week three. 23 of them on TV you'll be able to watch. How's that? That was it. That's what I wanted to share with you. All right. Have a good one. Play nice. Love your neighbor. And remember, have fun.